Welcome, movie fans, to Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, where today we're working live and uncaged. 47 meters down, uncaged. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Anatomy of a Movie is back, and I am your host, Dimitri Panos. Yay, where, where's, where's the sound of fun? thank you thank you everybody and thank you audience and thank you to my co-host scott benzel hello dimitri welcome it's your first time on anatomy of a movie so thank you very much and welcome uh why don't you uh introduce yourself to the fine anatomy audience well, if you're not sick of seeing me today, I am Scott mm-hmm. Menzel. I am the founder of We Live Entertainment as well as the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. And you can find me over at WeLiveEntertainment.com. Well, cool. And thank you for being on board. And uh, just to give you an idea and our audience idea of what anatomy of a movie is all about, uh, we are resurrected from the ashes. We are the phoenix that came back uh, much because I wanted a good review show, uh, much to the to the staff and help here uh, at Popcorn Talk Network, and 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 uh, in no small part due to the audience who actually uh, kept on saying, "When is Anatomy coming back?" And Anatomy is a show we do a deep dive, no pun intended, for forty seven meters down engaged. Uh, it's a review show, but a little bit deeper than that. We talk production. Um, genesis of it, and then we'll talk a little bit about marketing, about legacy, and about box office, what it, what its potential that it can do. And to the audience, we are um, spoilerific. We spoil uh, certain plot points. Uh, you know, who can live and who doesn't. Spoiler die. alert. There we go. Oh, yeah. Set phasers to spoil. spoil. <laughs> there you go. Um, so... If you haven't seen the movie, and the movie opens up this weekend, so there may be a good chance that you didn't go to a Thursday night preview, I would recommend that you hit pause. Go watch the movie, and then come back and finish watching, and be part of the discussion. Uh, You can leave comments on YouTube, tell us what you thought of 47 Meters Down, uh, and then uh, we'll compare notes. We always start the show off with reviews and opinions. Uh, I know this is a movie that you had seen. So, Scott, what did you think of 47 Meters Down, Uncaged? So, I I think the important thing to bring, since this is a show where we take a deep dive into Mm -hmm. the movie history, uh, people should should actually know a little bit about this movie and this franchise. So, originally, this movie was part of a direct-to-DVD release, which was going to be called In the Deep. Um, A few days before the release of that on DVD... Uh, Byron Allen, who runs Entertainment Studios, purchased the film, then went on to rename the film and released it in the summer of 2017. That film went on to make almost $62 million, Mm -hmm. or a little bit over that, and it became a pretty sizable hit for Entertainment Studios. That movie starred Mandy Moore, and I forgot the other lady's name. Matthew Modine was also in it. And, yeah. And uh, just a, a very um, small budget movie, and basically just basically three characters. That, that was it. Um, 
this one is a indirect sequel, I would say. And I really enjoyed this film because I think it took the idea of the first film. Basically, they said, how can we make this scarier? They said, okay, we'll take away the cage. Yep. And we'll put a bunch of people on their water in a very cool concept of cave diving. Yes. Uh, which I thought was really, really awesome what they do with that. And um, this movie just really, it, it, it ups the ante in every way. Um, there's a lot more scares. There's a lot more tension. You can tell the budget was a little bit bigger. There's a lot more to it, and especially even with some of the designs, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, I really like this movie. Um, again, I had no expectation going into the original 47 meters down. They cut a good trailer. They had some decent marketing out uh, in the marketplace. But the interesting thing about it is a lot of it didn't hit until about a week, about a week before the movie released, which is really fascinating. And again, going on to what you were saying about it was supposed to be a VOD title. And so... There were they had different VOD titles outside of the one you had mentioned and forty seven meters down. There were physical copies spread around the world and on pirate sites, uh, and still made sixty to sixty five million dollars domestically, which is pretty amazing considering how much piracy yes. you know they say can ding a movie, um, and you know and then for entertainment studios. To me, it was kind of a no-brainer that they were going to make a sequel. Uh, and, and you're right; it is kind of indirect. But this one, to me, it was it was just a it's a summer B movie. Uh, I likened it in my little quick Twitter review as the, it's a beach read. You know, and, and a good beach read is always something that's engaging. It pulls you in. It can be thrilling. It could be exciting. It could be suspenseful. And then when you close it or you finish the movie, you're still in your comfy chair uh, in the safety of a movie theater, and you didn't have to go anywhere near the water. I thought the concept of this cave diving, which I was unfamiliar with, uh, in this Mayan city that they were swimming throughout was really a cool set. Um, and it just had me wondering, how did they film this? And the great white sharks were ugly and cool and vicious. Um, the movie is PG-13, but I think I think what's happening a lot with horror is that they're proving that PG-13 can still be suspenseful and can still be scary. And uh, director Johannes Roberts, I think in this movie, he really ratchets up tension. He always, uh, he and the screenwriter, they knew like where to, uh, there was always the obstacle. It was, it was half decent screen, it was half decent screenwriting because there was always an obstacle, like nothing was ever easy. It wasn't, it's like, when they say in screenwriting 101, it's like, okay, you need to get from this chair to the door. You get up from the chair and then, oops. A chair comes, you know, another chair comes thrown at you. This is what happens in this movie, and that really ratcheted up the suspense. There was, anytime there was a breather, it was very short-lived. Yes. And I know my audience, uh, the, the audience I saw it with at AMC Century City was on the edge of their seat, and they really had a good time. Yeah. It's a good I, flick. I think, um, you know, <clears throat> I saw it at a press screening for The Junket, and mm-hmm. it was a very small... 
intimate screening. I, I think there was probably about like 30 to 40 people there. But what's always fascinating to me is when you get press people to enter, you know, engage and interact with a film. Mm-hmm. Um, this one didn't have as much engagement as, say, something like A Quiet Place. But at the same time, you know, there was certain moments within this film where I I saw people get excited and like people were like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. They went they went for it, and I think that's that's what really makes this movie stand out and why. It does everything that a good sequel should. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have an idea from a first film, and then you take that idea, and you basically say, how do we make this bigger? How do we make it better? How do we make it more exciting? And they know how to do that in this film. And what I love about this movie, which you can say that in the first one, the ocean works as a character in the film, because obviously it does. But this one, they use it more to just with a lot of different elements like mm-hmm. there's there's a scene in the film where they find these air pockets where right. they where the 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 their um, oxygen is running low and then they're going up and they have to suck out the little bit of air just to get a breather for a few mm-hmm. minutes because they don't want to use up all their air right um there's a great thing about the currents right. like how the currents play a role in the film and i just thought that a lot of this stuff was very big picture idea that they didn't get to explore in the first film and they really use in this one another thing that i could say is i love the fact that these this mayan city that mm-hmm. they had um it became almost like this beautiful thing at first, and then it became like a, a nightmare maze. haunted house or right. maze, right? And I mean, even with the uh, catacombs being in there, which if if you guys don't know this, uh, in Paris there's this whole underground right. area of there catacombs. There's a movie called yeah. Catacombs, right? Yeah. Just about that, and it's 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 freaking creepy as hell. And yeah. to kind of experience that underwater when you're already being terrified by sharks, it adds a whole nother layer. And add to that too and again it was just the way of ratcheting up suspense yeah um the whole cave the whole city became its own character you know and they even mentioned oh you want to do very little physical stuff because you'll bring up the silt and then naturally things don't go well and there's um a cave-in which pulls up a ton of silt which you know they can't see too f- they don't have much field of vision right um which which adds to the suspense because you don't really know what is behind you above you or coming straight at you which i thought was it was a great touch and really changing the setting um again was it was unique and outside of name and, and I think the, the movie goes off of title recognition, 47 meters down, because everybody remembers that title in the movie. But it really does prove that <clears throat> you don't need to use characters, like the same characters, um, or bring actors over. Uh, you know, uh, you could have brought over Matthew Modine, um, I suppose, right? But although he's he is paid homage in the movie... Um, but he wasn't in it. It's a whole new group of kids doing a whole new group of uh, just doing a, a new activity, which turns out to be dangerous and, uh, and and terrifying. So it's really, you know, it's a good idea. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it for every sequel. But no. In this in this world, it worked great. And it also goes to show you that, like, with a movie like this, and I mean, I know the verdict's still out in terms of how well this movie is going to do mm-hmm. this weekend. 
But if it does well this weekend, it does show that when you, when it comes to a horror movie, there there's already a built-in audience. Sure. And that you don't have to have like an A-lister right. in the film. I mean, the biggest name in this movie is Nia Long, who's in the movie for maybe five minutes? Maybe five maybe minutes. Maybe five minutes. Yeah, so absolutely. Like, you know, this is just a, a film that kind of like embraces this. It's a, it's a, it's a movie about you know four friends, and I wouldn't even say they're all friends. I would I would say right. that that's one of them is is the outcast and just kind of gets you know roped along social pressure to co- go along on this trip, even though yeah. they don't. And she doesn't want to do it. A stepsister, who, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm surprised. That such a simple idea works as well as it does, but it goes to show you how, and this is something that I I, I have to comment about because we've seen a lot of movies, uh, and and I know mm-hmm. you like this movie, Dimitri, but like uh, a movie like The Meg, mm-hmm. where like it tries to be so convoluted and tries to add so many different like plot layers and plot points. I don't know what you I didn't listen, find this is, but, but no, this listen. is much more simplistic. Well, that's what I'm but, saying. Yeah. But they're like, they're trying to like, oh, there's this happening here and this happening. And everyone's like, doesn't even know if they're taking it. Like in that movie, like people, some people are taking it like they're acting like they're in a campy movie. Other people are taking it way too seriously. I'm getting off track. But this film, like, everyone knows exactly the type of film that they're in. These are girls, so don't expect, like, mind-blowing performances from the girls because they're they're essentially teenage girls acting like teenage girls would act. But the thing that you need to point out about this film is that it's very impressive considering that we haven't seen most of these women in films before, and yet they're acting using their eyes because that's basically all they have. All you can see. And I guess one of my criticisms of the movie is that it was at, at times it was difficult to figure out who was who. Right. Um, I know that they had these special masks, uh, but had they done something to different, like if somebody had a blue mask, a red mask, this, they're all white. <laughs> and sometimes it was hard because it was so silty. Um, it was hard to figure out who was talking because they're all talking through the mask, so they sounded similar. But uh, once you figure out the cadence of the film, you could figure out who's who. Uh you know, and it's the kind of movie though that the summer should thrive on, right? More. It's a B movie. It's a B action movie. It's a lower budget, but it still delivers some good thrills. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It keeps your attention. The girls were fine by me. You know, as far as you know, they they, they were they did what they needed to do. I believe them. I like the fact that there was there was at least there was one character who kind of really knew what she was doing. Yes, and she was kind of taking the lead, and other people weren't listening to her. And had they listened a little bit here and there, maybe they wouldn't have gotten <laughs> into certain predic- predicaments. But bottom line is, it is a it's something that the industry is clamoring for. And yet here we have it, and we should be promoting it more because it is a female-driven movie. We have a lot of those lately. They should be be focused on, and Hollywood should be paying attention to um, these movies. So, um, yeah, and it's really interesting. So, you're is sixty-two million in the bank, um, and you know it wasn't a huge. 
<laughs> at least for entertainment studios. I don't think it was a huge leap to make a sequel. No. And the writer-director, Johannes Robert, and his co-writer, Ernest Uria, uh, they were excited to dive back into these waters. Uh, Johannes, being a diver himself, but not a cave diver, uh, was learning about how to do this cave diving um, stuff. And again, I'm glad they presented us with something new. It did kind of, in in a sense, it did remind me a little bit of The Descent mm-hmm. um, in that aspect. Uh, and, you know, and again, we have sharks. And the four girls, two sisters, two friends, uh, you know, they take a, you know, a day by the lake. And, you know, they end up working, one of the, the sisters, their dad's an underwater archaeologist who finds this ancient Mayan city. And uh, they go to another end of the city to to just take a take a swim, take a look. Yeah. And bedlam and chaos ensue. You know, uh, they they knock over a pylon, <laughs> cause this underwater uh, cave in a lot of silt, and then these great white sharks. Uh, the movie works in that. Um, yeah, it worked really well. I think it, it's really good. Most of all, though, it's 89 minutes. Yes, yes. 89 minutes. Yeah. So, yes, and uh, we're going to go get into get into casting, um, where Byron Allen, the owner of Entertainment Studios, uh, he goes on and, and says that it was a really collaborative effort. He said, we all work together as a team. And very happy with the up with the outcome and hiring what he believes to be the next generation of movie stars. Listen, I think that they all did really well, and some of them have some heritage behind them. A little bit, a little bit. Um, so we will go to Kareen, uh, well, Kareen Fox, who is Jamie Fox's daughter, which is very interesting because she does. Green Fox's character does share some screen time with Nia Long. And Nia Long, some years ago, <laughs> starred with Jamie Foxx in the classic movie, Held Up. <laughs> I kid. That was the very first movie I got to work with when I started at Trimark Pictures was Held Up. Mm. Oh, yeah. We were very happy when it Lucky hit $5 you. million. Dollars. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. But I just found it funny. I was like, oh, Neil Long's working with the family still. So, um, and then we have, uh, uh, well, then we have, there's also a Stallone. Um, and I'm trying to pronounce her first Sistine? name. Sistine Stallone, yeah. who... Who do you think she's related to? I have no idea. Who was yeah. it? <laughs> I don't know. He has a movie coming out a little bit later this year. Something Rambo. It's Rambo, <laughs> Last Blood. Um, and, and it's really funny because this actually is, is her first foray into this. They even said in casting that she really didn't have much experience. Fun fact. Go ahead. Fun fact. I'll throw some out for this Go movie. Ahead, please. So she actually auditioned for Margaret... Crowley's role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And she actually has a fear of feet, so she was so glad that she didn't get that role. She's... (laughs) Quentin Tarantino should have been the first tip on that one, and yet here she is in a movie where she's practically naked in a bikini and in her suit. Uh, But she was basically picked for, believe it or not, for her physique and physical attributes and being able to... um, 
carry on this role. And she did pretty well. I think so, too. You know, she did pretty well. So And so didn't uh, Miss Fox. Uh, yes. They all actually did. Uh, I enjoyed watching all of them. They were they were really good. They, they weren't annoying. And I think it hit, it hit it on the head. There were teenage girls being teenage girls to an extent, but a little bit smarter because they were familiar with gays or how to scuba dive. Right. So... You know, it, and I think this, the movie was smart enough to kind of set that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, you can go into this movie and like watch people cave diving, and you would honestly say to yourself, "How the hell can I do this?" Right. But the movie makes a point, even though it's only like five minutes of the film, to kind of show who the dad right. was and right. like what his job was. So, therefore, you can have an understanding of, okay, now I understand how they know how to do this. Right. And Brian uh, Chu um, is, is um, she's the leader of the pack, so to speak. And you can tell that she has scuba diving experience as well. So, yeah, it wasn't. There wasn't a time where I said, oh, geez, I'm not, oh, they're just picking up suits and going in. I had a sense that these women have done this before, right. which added, you know, which at least takes that aspect out of it. You're not really questioning a whole hell of a lot. So, and it was a very enduring shoot for all of them, um, being that they were in water for most of the day. Um, Stallone actually had said that, uh, you know, she could be in the water for 40 minutes and come out feeling as if it were over two hours. Um, and then your diets completely change. Uh, and just the strenuous work of it all and having to do strenuous, like, physical things and then be screaming and breathing a lot. I can only imagine that, uh, you know, as as uh, Nalise says, uh, and she plays um, uh, Mia, the, the Mia she basically says, you know, sometimes we just all gathered together and cried because we were so all exhausted. <laughs> and I can believe that. Yeah, and I thought, I mean, out of, you know, the most of the people in this film are, are, are newbies in terms of the, the, the leads. Right. But uh, Sophie was, of course, in The Book Thief. Book thief. And, uh, you know, you can tell, like, her performance just from the very first scene right. was a little bit stronger than the rest. Mm-hmm. And she really carried it. Um, and I, I just, I think this, you know, I hope she gets more roles because I feel like she has potential to be become like a big, big star. Right. I'm just haven't seen it yet, you yeah. know, unfortunately. Yeah, and and the other girls too have opportunity. Yeah. I think coming from this movie. So, um, you know, the interesting thing, as I said, when I was watching the film, I was like, how do they film this? Yes. Like obviously they weren't on a location. Um, was it all on water? Was it CG? Yes, the sharks were CG. Um, they built... They had one mechanical, uh, and then the rest were, were, were CG. Uh, as practical jokes, the crew would put the mechanical shark some places in the water, where, and they'd tell the... Oh, yeah, I'd go over there and swim, unbeknownst to the actors. <laughs> and they would, And apparently they'd just come up <laughs> screaming, and everybody was, like, laughing at them, which is, I think is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, they, they built... Um, they were... Two things. They did film on location in the Dominican Republic. So the opening scenes, anytime they're in, like, a beach... Or whatever. So the be- pretty much the beginning and the end of the movie, which I want to talk about the end a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
that was filmed in the Dominican Republic. Not too shabby. Not too shabby a location to, no. to go to and film. And then the rest was filmed in the UK. And they actually used uh, two... Um, they, they used two sound stages to build this Mayan city. Uh, Basildon and Pinewood Studios, where they film a lot of James Bond and Star Wars. In fact, Johannes Roberts had said, he goes, it was, it was like great when we were in Pinewood because my trailer overlooked all the Star Wars stuff. And he was having like, he was just having a, a, a great time doing that. Um, and then they had to uh, build these cities, this Mayan underwater city, which looked great. It did. By the way. Like, if I wasn't so afraid of sharks, that would be kind a of a cool place. thing to do. Um, production designer David Bryan, uh, he uh, sets everything up. The labyrinth, the tunnels, the towering pillars, the spiraling stone cases, which, by the way, those Stone gates, they were about, it was about two tons of steel. And even at that weight, they would still float. <laughs> two tons. I don't know how. <clears throat> so, um, and the altar, uh, the altar, which is where everything begins, that whole thing, again, I think, as you're saying, for a sequel, you're giving us something new. You're upping the ante. You're creating a new environment. You don't have the same actors on board it's new faces to go on this adventure with and they really made it something unique that i haven't last time i saw anything like this and they weren't in caves it was something to the effect of um uh for your eyes only okay. james bond uh had uh, like in, in the waters off the mediterranean but i, I thought you were gonna recall... say snakes on a plane no <laughs> no you, you can <laughs> no offense. <thank you>. <laughs> but you already did. You took us there. <laughs> but um, where's that sequel? Never mind. Yeah. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think that all the work from the production designer to what they had to build and then fill it up with water. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's that's really amazing, and still do it within a reasonable budget. That's the biggest point, right? It's like he's here. All about these movies, and I mean, we can go back to a perfect example, which is Waterworld. Right. A movie where they built, like, all those sets, and they spent so much money on it, and it was a huge flop. You know, how they... I, do, do you have how much the budget is on this? I, I, I don't, but the first one was really... I mean, It was like 5.5. Like right. Yeah, 5.5. So this 5. one, if it's, it's, it's over 10. Probably, like, 10 to 12, yeah. I would think. But it's amazing, like, if you have the right negotiating skills and, like, you actually have a filmmaker who can actually make things happen... Right. How much you can do with a limited budget. I mean, Absolutely. we talked about searching on one of our earlier shows today, like, $6 million. Like, that's incredible what he was able to pull off. Uh, absolutely. S- same with this movie, especially when you have such elaborate sets... And I mean, like, you guys have to see this movie, and you have to see it in a theater because it's a, it's a theater-going experience because you can't appreciate the brilliance of those sets. Absolutely. Hey, guys. And uh, the sound. Real quick, real quick. Yeah, sure. Is, yeah. I think I'm pulling up a $5.3 million budget. No, really? 5.3? That's that, the by estimated. The way, is, 
Uh, that, by the way, is, is Ryan. He's uh, handling all our pr- producing and wow. engineering. Thank you so, so much. So five point three million, you're saying? That's yeah, insane. Which is, which is incredible to me. Actually, it says twelve on. Oh, you think it's with uh-oh. the? It says, it's before marketing. Or? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It says twelve on uh, actually Wikipedia right now. Nice. It says twelve million, which seems about right because usually with sequels they usually double the budget, and it was five point five on the first one. Wow. Yeah. But so, still, so it's, well. it's still, but still amazing. Still for 12 million when you think about it, right? We've all seen big budgeted movies. They can look fantastic, but I can't look at anything really. I couldn't point to anything in this movie and go, that looked cheap. You're right. You know, even though it is a B movie, right? So you go in there kind of expecting cheap or low budget, but there wasn't anything. Like that's why the my the underwater caverns and caves and cities, I was going. How did they film this? Because water movies tend to be more expensive. Yeah. Because you're filming in the water. Granted, controlled environment. I, they must have gotten some great deals at the sound stages. Um, and again, a controlled environment. The cameras that they have to use, plus you have to use stunt doubles who know how to scuba dive for your actors. Right. And casting unknowns. Right. I mean, casting unknowns is a big deal. People yeah. people don't really talk about this enough, but if you don't have to pay like someone like Kevin Hart or Dwayne Johnson like their $30 million paycheck, look at all that money you can put somewhere else. Right. You know, so the, the ladies probably each got like, what, maybe half a million or maybe a million each? You know, and the Maybe. rest of the money went to the went to the everything else that had to. Yeah, and and that's another thing I want to talk about the fresh faces. Yeah, it's always nice. I mean, John Corbett. No offense to me, to yeah. me along, but he's the mo- probably the most recognizable. Sure. In this movie, sure. Not so much that it takes you out of the film, but our 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 female talent, our leads, our women in this movie, all fresh faces, and that to me is great because it's a new like it's a new generation right there they're they're actresses that I hope Hollywood would pick to be in movies because they're fresh like I cared for each and every one, yeah, and it didn't matter that I didn't know who they were as a as a talent right. And I, I always like when you go with that fresh face. And again, it just makes it makes the movie stand out from a lot from your blockbuster. So, uh, and the movie still can deliver chills. We we talk a lot of horror and anatomy of a movie. We'll break them down. I did scary stories last week, which again, not a huge budgeted film, more than twelve. Yeah. But again, you know, horror is a great genre in which you can use a lot of imagination. And it would be nice to see Johannes Roberts try to do, like, depending on how this does, we might get a three, right? Yeah. But I'd like to see what else he can do. He seems to be a very inventive director, and he works well with a meager budget. And that, to me, Hollywood should be looking going, <laughs> look what this guy can do. Yes. Let's, let's put him on another project, and let, it, let his creativity flow. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, so, no, I agree with you. I you think know. I think you you have to look at the the talent and you have and see what they're able to do with the limited resources. Yeah, and if they're able to put it, put out a product that looks great and is entertaining and engaging, you have a winner. Yeah, agreed. So uh, and and the sharks, uh, alike, like I said, they they were CG. They didn't look 
terrible. Uh, and the um, you know, and they had the mechanical shark. I want to talk a little bit about the end. The ending of the, okay, so the ending of this movie too ramps up like big time. The last forty five minutes to a half hour. Oh, and there, and and I and need be said, this movie succeeds in its brevity. It's eighty nine minutes. It, there's, and there's not really an ounce of fat no. on this movie, and it 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 really ramps up. Um, and but the the last half hour I thought was done really clever. And again, it's one of those things. Oh, they're safe. Oh, but they're not. <laughs> and that twist. Now, my original thought. So they come up from the water. They look. There's a boat. And it has like, yeah, there's a boat. And my first thought was, oh, wow, wouldn't it be really clever if that's the boat that Mandy Moore and her sister jumped off of? (laughs) I was like, that would be a way to bring this around full circle, wouldn't it? Yeah. But it wasn't that boat, (laughs) which is fine. Uh, And and it was the boat that, it was the great white excursion that they were supposed to to have gone on. That they snuck out of to do this this cave diving, and they're chumming the water, <laughs> and that, that was like that in itself was another great concept. Yes, yes, you know, I and loved it. Trying to get to the boat, all I, I kept on thinking of uh, Quint's line in Jaws: "I'll never put on another life. I'll never wear another life preserver again." And I'm like, oh my god, they and. Johannes Roberts, cast and crew, they ramped it up. And how are they going to get from point A to B without getting that? Yeah. And it, was, it worked. It really did. It, it really re- did. I mean, it's funny because that scene added, like, you get this moment where you, you breathe and you think it's all over, right? And then it's, 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 it's funny because it becomes funny because you watch this and as they're throwing the bait into the water you just go, what the you're f- like it's like that man they cannot catch a break no and then it, it like then something else and you know the more shark surface i mean it just it yeah no great way it was just again suspenseful yet fun yeah. it was a good roller coaster ride i know the audience i watched it with okay this is really this has never happened to me before the gentleman in front of me, um, at the end of the movie, he went to his friends. He goes, oh, my God, I was jumping all the time. He turned around and apologized to me because he thought he was jumping, like getting up from his seat and blocking my, my <laughs> view of the screen. And I just laughed at him and said, that's what stadium seating's all about, buddy. Yeah. I go, you know, I go, good time, right? He goes, oh, my God, yeah. And the people around me, everybody was like, especially when they finally, you know, reach safety, the audience applauded. It was cathartic. Yeah. And again, that's what you want in these kind of movies. You could kind of check your brain in at the door. Yes. But that's what a B, that's what a really good B movie is all about anyways. Um, the way that I look at it. Real, so real quick, Adrian yeah. uh, and Scott, uh, just going to the chat. Um, Star Drew asks. Oh, we uh, have chat. How many? Yeah, we have, that's some, we have some people in the chat. Um, Star right. Drew wanted to know how close is this movie, The Meg, or or The Abyss, close to this movie story wise? Not really Not at, at all. all. Not really at all. Like The Abyss is well, no, you can't. There's no, no. way you can compare James Cameron's The Abyss to this movie, um, and 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 The Meg is is something completely. 
again, so it's just a different kind of a shark story. Um, this one I would liken a little bit closer to the shallows, maybe. There you go. Um, as, as far as that, but what I would say too is this movie really is like it's an un. It's not parallel to the original Forty Seven Meters Down, but it's a whole new environment, and it's not that. I mean, we know that it's about sharks, but our characters don't, and they're just there to to um, they're on vacation and they just want to see this underwater city, which is really amazingly built, and you know, even knowing that they're doing this on a soundstage. The time and detail that they put into all of it was really spectacular and could be an archaeologist's dream, but it's right in that city and the rules that were set up about not kicking up silt. So, and then the sharks come in. The sharks come in a little bit later. Like, they don't come in immediately. No. And that's when bedlam and chaos ensue but they i would say no nothing really the megan especially the abyss are they're completely different movies from this one entirely yeah entirely different yeah Yeah. i mean meg is meg is more of a like campy i don't know what what do you call that yeah i don't but i mean abyss is totally different in terms of tone and story setup everything about that's different so i wouldn't say three very different movies absolutely Absolutely. Is there anybody else online? That's all we got right now. All right. Uh, no, that's those great. are the only questions we got right now. Okay. Well, if there are any more, um, please feel free uh, pass them along. So, yeah, going in, and and I want to, you know, whenever there's a shark movie, right? It without fail, without fail, some reviewer or something compares it to Jaws. Oh my God! Yeah. Can we please stop doing that? I know because. To me, too, it's kind of an insult to Jaws. Um, You know, Jaws is a shark movie that's a lot. I mean, I can do a detailed deep dive into Jaws. Maybe that should be an anatomy throwback. But Jaws is a lot more than about just the shark. It is about the the chief of police. It is about the town of Amity. Um, And when Jaws came on the scene... You know, everybody wants to compare themselves to the crown jewel of quote unquote shark movies, but it's kind of unfair because this isn't Jaws. Right. This isn't, you know, it's a different movie that has sharks. Deep Blue Sea is not Jaws. The Meg is not Jaws. The Shallows <laughs> is not Jaws. The Shallows, yeah. So, you know, you can compare it to those other movies, but comparing it to Jaws is just, I don't know. I always find like it's just. Stop. It's an easy answer. That's it what it is. is. It's, it's literally like, hey, like, what's a movie everyone knows? Jaws. Jaws. Hey, how is it compared to Jaws? Is it like Jaws? No. That's all it is. Yeah. No, it's not. No. It, it, it's not like Jaws. Um, but I would say that 47 meters down. So they're marketing, again, a little bit more. And I know because I actually worked a little bit firsthand um, with, with with some of the fine folk at Entertainment Studios. Uh, they did a little bit more this time out. Yeah, they didn't just have materials that hit theaters and a trailer that hit theaters about a week before or two weeks before. They actually had materials in theaters on Memorial Day. Uh, I remember working on stuff uh, on my birthday. 
uh, that they were sending uh, entertainment studios. They were installing and um, the company I'm with, uh, we were doing theater checks to check and make sure that they're their standees were put up properly and in place in invisible places. So they started their... That, that's another sign, too, that your first movie did well, and when you go in to do a sequel, you get a little bit more money for your, for your advertising and your marketing needs. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that this movie had more of a presence than the first yeah, one Yeah, I would did. agree. So, um, you know, box office... We'll see what the marketing does. I know that it tracked fairly well. The reviews on it have been have been decent. Yeah, they're okay. Um, Next. And it did about a half a million dollars on Thursday night preview night, uh, which was last night. Uh, personally, I thought it, I thought it was going to hit about a million. Um, the theater, the, the house I was in was crowded. Um, I wouldn't say sold out. The front rows weren't taken, but that seems to be the norm these days. It was crowded. So, um, and again, it's PG-13. So you can get the teen audiences to go in to go see this movie. So, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what it pulls in. Uh, I, I mean, personally, I root for it because it's for an indie studio. You and I had a great discussion. Support the indies. Yeah, get, you know, absolutely. Because we need them now more than ever because... Movies like a 47 meters down, uncaged, could go away. You know, everything's becoming very, very homogenized. And we can lose some variety. We already have, we talked in detail with Fox-Disney merger and things. So this is, you know, if you're going to 47 meters down, know that you are supporting an indie. Absolutely. Which is really good. Very so um, what, uh, let's take a look. What did it do on, on the uh, good old Rotten Tomatoes? Do you have that up? I mean, I can get it up right now. We can get the reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, 49%. That, to me, is a little bit low. That's a low number. I I believe that the movie's, well, I I think the movie's much better than 49%. It was in the 60s up until yesterday. So all the secondary markets put out their reviews today. Right. Uh, So that's probably what dropped it, because also Good Boys dropped as well. But when you compare it to the first film, which was at 54, mm-hmm. it's a little bit lower than that. But right. I think it's going to end up probably in the 50s. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I think it's it deserves far more than for 49%. My review on it is far far greater than, than what would be 49%. Um, I think that for the I think that everybody would have a good time watching this movie if you enjoyed the first one. You're going to enjoy, you're going to have a good time here as well. So is there anything else that we can talk about um, uh, that we can talk about? I mean, I'll just just throw this out real quick just because we talked about it on the earlier show. And since this is a in-depth thing, uh, Byron Allen, as he he spoke about, was the, uh, the founder of Entertainment Studios. Movie apparently came back, completed. Um, he did not like the the ending, so he sent it back to reshoot, and that's where they went back to the Dominican Republic to reshoot the ending. Right. I have no details as to what that original ending was. I asked him if it was going to be on the Blu-ray or the DVD. He said no. No. So that will never see the light of day. That's a bummer. I know. I always love it when, like, I don't mind because, you know, in some cases, I appreciate when they put that stuff on a Blu-ray. Because as an audience and as a movie lover, 
you go, here's where the system worked. They saw it. They go, look, doesn't. And then when they reshoot, because everybody has this negative connotation of reshoots. Oh, they do. As soon as you hear reshoots, you go, oh. It's bad. But when they put in what originally was supposed to be there, and then you see what the final outcome is, you go, yeah, that made did, sense. That made sense. So, and in this movie, it made it was it made a. I mean, I don't know what it was, but this he was just said really it, it. The way he explained it to me was that it was not <clears throat> climatic enough. Like it, yeah. it didn't it didn't have that punch that you wanted when you know you're you're on this journey and you want a really good payoff. And he said yeah. the payoff wasn't big enough, so he sent him back to get a big payoff. Yeah, and it was and and it worked. And you know, to his credit, too. He is running the marathon with this. You know, he started Entertainment Studios, I think, in the early 90s, like around 93. But it was only recently that Entertainment Studios distribution came out, within the past five years or so. Yeah, four or or five years, yeah. And he really is in it for the long run. Um, He is very... I I have watched and seen and listened to this man speak about the business, and he's very impassioned about it. Um... You know, listen, continued success. Uh, I want these studios, I want entertainment studios to survive and to, to do more output. I'd love to see them get release more movies uh, because it is, they're going to end up being, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be adding to box office. So we'll have our tent poles, but we need these smaller movies to help lift and, and get people out to the movies. So he's very impassioned about this. Um, he's a he's a stand up comedian. Yeah, this guy, and he's gotten in. He owns the Weather Channel too, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's a uh, look. He's into business, and more power to him. And kudos to Entertainment Studios and to all that work there. And uh, kudos to uh, Forty Seven Meters Down Uncaged. Um, listen, we've talked about it. You should go see it. Uh, hope you have. Please comment. Scott, where can people find you on the social media sure. and everywhere else in the you world? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. You can go to WeLiveEntertainment.com. And Thank you're you. uncaged. And I'm on uncaged. These, yes. Right? Oh, okay. Totally. And me, Dimitri Panos, your host. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you. You can please support me on the Twitters at Dimitri Panos. Uh, and you can find me on Meet the Movie Press. And here, so happy to be back in Anatomy of a Movie and doing these deep dives and talking movies. This is all about the discussion of movies. I want you to be a part of it, please. Comment. Watch it on YouTube or wherever. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think of the show. And then share it. Because you, like us, are very like-minded. You love the movie-going experience. So please, share the show with other folks like you. Because they might even like it and share it and pass it along. So uh, thank you for watching. and Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with some more movie talk. Take care. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals. 